So this is going to be um, the second message in this. We've talked about first fruits last week. John knocked it out of the park and really inspired. And I'm going to try to inform um, the with inspiration. But the um, in first service, I asked for a raise of hands, and about 50 percent of the people that were there had never been a part of a first fruits offering at Life Center. Um, and so I, I want to sort of back up and zoom out and give a picture of what's really going on. Just for those of you who don't know, it's, of course, encouraging and inspiring to those of you who do, just to hear it again. Um, when I prayed about this message, the Lord said it was a revelation before. I want to keep it a revelation. So the, if this was an idea, it'd be a real problem. Um, I'm allergic to, um, you know, if I'm, I don't know how I'm going to do this without offending somebody, but I'm... I'm allergic to great ideas that are centered in man's ambitions, especially in the kingdom. If you've ever seen the king, the fear of God hits you, and you never wonder again about mixing the kingdom and the world. It will bring you and it will keep you. The fear of God is really important. And the only real source of the fear of God is seeing God. Because at some point, this happens in a believer's life, and you cross over, you say, I had heard By the hearing of the ear. But now I've seen. And it changes everything for you. And it's, it's, it's unrevocable. The real fear of God. And it's a pleasure too. Because it actually settles things really fast. It's, it's a gift. Um, and so if you, if you come into this thing. And you don't understand what's happening. It'll feel like a telethon or a gimmick or, you know, whatever. I don't know if they do telethons still, but I also don't watch TV. I don't know anything. I don't know. <laughs> People will, I'm very culturally illiterate. But, um, <clears throat> but this, is a, this is not some guy's idea. It didn't come from a book or a strategy or any of those things. It's a response from God to man's hunger for more. That's what happened here. That founded this thing. So you may not even know what I'm talking about. So first fruits is an offering that we all do together as a body once a year. We do it at the beginning of the year. And we do it with great intent because we believe that faith and intentionality are inseparable. Um, when this church was a little bit younger, when I was in college, we had moved into this building. Um, we had enough. We did not have more than enough. And uh, we were gaining some visibility, getting some opportunities. And there were things coming to this church in the form of opportunities that we couldn't afford to take, but we felt like we should. And there were needs that we felt like we wanted to meet, but we couldn't afford to meet them. There were, uh, there were ministries we wanted to spur on, to form, to invest in that we felt were from the Lord, dreams from the Lord that we could not afford to do. And in frustration, you know, sometimes the Lord will set you up by building a frustration that then transitions itself into faith once it breaks through. He sanctifies your frustration and he feeds on it when he comes running to the faith that forms. Uh, but here, we had Charles and Ann, we had the, all the Leach family, and I'm sure others, I don't know who else, but everybody who was here, I'm sure to some extent, was engaged with this desire. Like, God, we want to do the more. God, you're bringing us more. There's no way you're bringing it if you're not planning on doing something with it. And in this frustration, Charles was crying out to the Lord one day, and he heard from the Lord, uh, receive a first fruits offering. He said, wow, that's a great idea. What's that? You know? <laughs> you know? It's something he, I don't know if he had never heard of it. I've never heard of it until I came here. I don't think it's a thing that's generally done. I think it's somewhat endemic to our body. Um, so the Lord took him to Proverbs. <clears throat> this is what it says. You heard this verse last week. You'll hear it in the future, I'm sure. Um, 3, 9 to 10. 
Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Um, and again, I, this is revelation in response to the desire for more. That's why I can get behind it. That's actually the only reason I can get behind it. So the idea of a first fruit is really important. I think it's also maybe a little bit disjunct from us culturally. Um, in the 1863, I think, 62, 63, Abraham Lincoln created the Department of Agriculture. And when he did, 90% of U.S. families were farm families. Um, today, it's 2%. 2%. And most of them are huge. They're much more like barons and much less like farmers. Um, they don't have the same connection to the soil that a family farmer would have had in the 1800s, right? Um, no, it was not subsistence farming. So when this verse was written, the idea of taking the first thing that shows up in your garden and giving it to the Lord was a risky proposition. It was a seriously risky proposition. You didn't order your seeds online like I do. You didn't go get to pick an experiment and have fun with whatever varieties you can find just because they're interesting. You had to save your own seed. You had open pollinated varieties that allowed for the genetics to carry on because Monsanto hadn't gotten involved. And then you'd keep these seeds, you'd plant them the next year. You had to save some of what you produced. You didn't get to eat it. And the very first stuff that comes in usually has been very carefully tended. You've had plenty of time. There's been a, a lull between planting and harvesting. And you're not in a position where you're overwhelmed. Almost as soon as that first thing comes in, it seems like all of it comes in. And your time is consumed and you're not carefully tending. And it's very easy for the latter portion of the harvest to fail. And if you sacrificed the first, you have nothing. So you see the risk that a farmer was putting themselves in? If they really brought their first fruits to the Lord. It's like, okay, I'm counting on there not being a plague. I'm counting on there not being a drought. I'm counting on there being no frost. You know, last year I planted 20-something apple trees in my yard. We got all excited. They blossomed. It was beautiful. And we had a late frost. Got no apples. No apples. Right? There's always, the real subsistence farmer gets this. They live on the edge every year. So it's a serious thing that he's talking about when he says, look, the first stuff you get, bring that in, and it will sanctify the rest. Isn't that amazing? It's like God loves this faith, this risky faith. There's something about it that draws him in. Um, it's, it's really important. So in that, we, we decided that, now look, you could do this as, a, let's say you start a business and your first income becomes a first fruit, right? So that we have that all the time. People do live that way in this congregation. And it's precious because, again, it's the same kind of thing. But we decided to build it into our community on a cycle. We build it in annually. So instead of the first of a first, it's the first of the year. We just made it that way. Um, and again, by revelation, not by some sort of we, we strategized and connived and figured out when we could or should. It's exactly the opposite. It was the Lord. Um, <clears throat> so this is the history of it. I'm telling you what the history of it is because I want you to understand uh, first that I believe the Lord emphasized that to me for you, but specifically because he's moving, specifically because this movement that we're a part of is much bigger than us. It's much, much, much bigger than us. In fact, it's probably much bigger than we can tell, than any of us can tell. If you were alive during the Reformation, you probably had no clue that you were alive during the Reformation. There was just some obnoxious monk making some trouble about grace. 
You didn't know. You had no idea that the whole tide of the entirety of the approach that humans bring to Jesus was shifting. There had been centuries and centuries and centuries of advancement in thinking about the gospel. People would labor their whole lives over whether or not Jesus had a physical body. And we get to just read it. Pray for some discernment, make a plan, and keep moving. Because somebody somewhere labored with their entire life over these basic theological principles. It's stacked up. All of this stuff stacks up. It's called orthodoxy. It's the acceptable faith, right? What's inbound. It's continually growing. It's continually stacking up. And it moves in realms that are smaller and more efficient than all of culture. So it gets out way ahead of what's called praxis, which is the way we live orthodoxy. Orthodoxy applied is praxis. So we find out what the faith is, and then it becomes a doing, okay? The doing takes centuries to catch up to the knowing. And what happens usually is the knowing accumulates, and there begins to be so much of a disparity between the knowing and the agreeing, the body, the acumen of faith, and the practice that there's actually a tension in the distance, the, the difference between the two of them. And the Lord does something, and the tension releases, and practice snaps forward. It doesn't develop line by line like the orthodoxy did. It flies up into time in this sovereign designation of the Lord, and it catches itself up. That's what was happening. Luther didn't think of that stuff. Luther gathered that stuff. Luther presented it, and he started what he hoped would be an academic conversation. But it was other people's lives laid down, stacked up, and the practice caught up to it. That's what's happening here. Um, I know that's a big statement. Um, I, I, I'm literally giving my life to it. I stand behind it. Um, I think that what happened in the 60s and 70s was the equivalent of that. When there's real reformation, and we throw that word around in charismatic circles like we've read books, and we haven't, and we don't know what we're talking about. It's, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get there. But... What it, it doesn't just mean like when the prophetic goes to business. It means when the way we worship catches up to what we know. If there is a change in liturgy, then there was a reformation. And if you look at churches like this, they didn't exist before the 60s. Stuff like this was not going on, and now it's everywhere. It's everywhere because we are living in the middle of a massive transition in the body of Christ that is, and I, again, I say this very measuredly, this is not flippant, it is a reformation. And right now it's heading into the second and probably the third generation. For the first time in this movement, the sons are doing as much as the fathers. So while this is happening... God circles back. He doesn't circle back to everything. We don't have to go through everything that everybody went through just so we can prove our muster. That's disgusting. But he does go back through the stuff that must be a part of what will go forward. And here, that includes first fruits. This is foundational. It's foundational in this house. It was a part of the revelation that the Lord gave in response to a hunger to see the kingdom grow. It had nothing to do with the checkbook. It had to do with seeing the kingdom grow. And God loves when men cry out to see the kingdom grow. And he finds a way. He comes and he finds a way to give us the keys. 
So he's circling back. I believe that he's, he's reinforcing this to us. It's not a part of who we are. It is a part of who we will be. It's going to continue forward. It's fundamental in this community. We only have two jobs in this. So uh, it began as a revelation. It's going to persist as a revelation. So the way we're going to engage with it is revelatory. This is based on personal relationship. It's a great opportunity to stretch yourself in that. So our first job is to listen. Very simple. I know simple, easier said than done. John 15, uh, 4 to 5 says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that who bears much. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So if I say listen, a lot of times that gets weird. You start to go, ah, you know, everybody gets worried about that. Am I hearing the Lord or whatever? How about abide? We could start with abide. That leads to listening. Every branch that abides will bear fruit. It's a law. It's actually true in nature. Um, There are genes latent in the apical buds of all plants that flower, waiting for the stimulus, it's called a tropism, to come from the main stem and tell it to go, and it will bear fruit. It will. It actually will. It must. It transforms the genetics in that bud, and it goes into motion. It just has to do what it's told. That's us. We can do this. So we stay. We abide. We can do that, right? Okay, good. Sorry, I don't want to lose you. We obey. Our first job is to listen. Our second job is to obey. It's really actually that simple, which is why this is something that's holy instead of something that's practical. It's listening and obeying. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So the hearing and the knowing is precious, but it must culminate in following. By this you'll know that you keep my commandments, right? It must culminate in following. And, and God has a why behind this. He has a re- We had our why. Our why was, Lord, we, we want more, right? This is really what was going on. The re- and this is the, look, I don't know if you've been under a rock. If you have, you might not know this. But otherwise, you know, that's the cry right now in the body of, the Holy, of, the, of Jesus, right? The cry of the Holy Spirit through us is we want more. This is, again, this is, surf- we could keep it down. Sometimes we get busy, like, maintaining, and that's really important, too. But there's always this cry, and it keeps bubbling up and surfacing. God, I want more. Whatever it is, and I love not putting a point on that. I, I don't know enough to put a point on that, but he does. So, Lord, just give me more. Whatever it is, if you take it off the shelf, I need it. I want it. So his why is the same. His why is more. He wants to set us up for increase. He wants to set you and I up in this church body and the church at large up for increase. He actually wants to give increase. And I think sometimes we believe that with our heads much more than we do with our hearts. It's an easier thing to believe intellectually. You know, if you're, I had an interesting conversation, you'll like this, I think. I had an interesting conversation with Justice um, this week in the car. And she said, she told me about something she did at school and she was being really nice to a kid who nobody was being nice to. And she said, because my name is, means to be nice. It's Justice. I thought, oh, that's really sweet. You're wrong, but that's really sweet. <clears throat> <You know? laughs> and then I sent her to a room with no dinner. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> no, that's what Liz did to me. That was, yeah. Um, I thought, wow, that's, no, it's not, you know, right? That's not what justice means. And the Lord corrected me. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. Mercy and justice met at the cross. So justice is kind now. 
Because it's justice relative to my life, not yours. Because justice was satisfied with the cross and mercy was satisfied with the empty grave. He said, actually, I do want to give you good things. And it's just. It's the just desire of God to pour out kindness. I needed that correction. He wants to bring us increase. It's on his heart to bring us increase. He wants to bring us increase because he knows that everything he gives us tests us, proves us, changes us, and sets us up to be trustworthy with more. And the more that the body of Christ grows, the more that the body of Christ is resourced, the better we get at this, the larger his image grows in the world. And if he is lifted up, he draws all men to himself. This is why he wants increase. You know, sometimes we get really myopic about this stuff and we, oh, they want my money. No, no, no. Watch out what spirit you're of because I remember some guys saying, you could have sold that, given the money to the poor. We can't be time-ish. We can't be stuck in time. I mean, we can be, but don't be. We're gonna miss what the Lord's doing if we're stuck with what's in front of us. This is part of how he liberates us from space and time. How we live in between. It's important. This is how forgetting what lies behind, we press on towards the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ. There's no such, it doesn't say and. They're not two separate movements. We don't forget and move forward. It is in the moving forward that we invest enough in what he's doing that we're able to forget, that we're able to move on. There's no end there. It's actually a causal link. He wants to bring us increase because the more of us there are, the greater his image is. All of this is unto the maturation of the body of Christ, which is the salvation of the earth. Remember, everything around us was subjected to futility against its will. When When humans sinned, it wasn't even their sin, it was our sin. And it's all waiting for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. He wants to bring increase. Do you believe me by now? He wants to bring increase. Okay, we got one. Okay, all right. That's okay. No, that's all right. I can move on. I'll, I'll keep going. <laughs> John likes it when I taunt you because he taunts you too. <laughs> Let's be faithful with little. God wants to bring us increase. And here's how he does it. He does it through co-laboring. So... This whole idea began with a revelation. It's going to continue with a revelation. So we're not going to make up our minds. We're going to submit our wills. That's how this is going to work. So right now in the timeline, we're two weeks away from the event of this. And it's a really, it's like one of the holiest things that we do. It's really amazing. Um, And there are a couple of steps you can take in advance that will set you up to sort of be fully present for this, fully engaged in it. Uh, the, The first step is pray for an amount. Um, I, look, I could, we could think through this, but instead, how about we just ask the Lord? Um, if I thought through it, I would probably do one of two things. I'd probably either overcompensate to justify myself, to prove myself. It's called operating in presumption. Um, don't do that. Um, we don't want a huge gift from you if it ruins you. We actually want exactly what's right from the Lord, right? Because this is for you. It's really for us. I would either do that or I'd hold back to protect myself. 
If I was making up my mind that I would do, I'd fall into one of those two errors. But the Holy Spirit corrects when he needs to and he comforts when he needs to and he knows everything. So he's the perfect plan for coming up with what's right for this. So submit this to him. Just go to him and listen. And what a great practice anyway. Especially if you're married. (laughs) I I saw a couple of these. Right. Especially if you're married. And then if it doesn't go well, you just put, you know, like, heal my marriage on your first fruits. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm pretty good. Most of the time, I'm pretty good. You wouldn't believe what I don't say. <laughs> Some of you would. Patty's giving me a snake eye. She's like, she's like actually. <laughs> she's like, I raised boys. Don't talk to me. Okay. So pray for an amount, Okay. We want to do it that way. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God loves the faith that it takes to come to him with real things. Because on the other side of this, we'll know whether or not he came through. That touches his heart. He loves that stuff. Um, Consecrate your desires and write them down. So, again, if I was making a list of the stuff that I would put on here just in my own mind, it'd be the stuff that annoys me or the stuff that just satisfies my flesh. Right? I'd be like, take this thing away, fix Liz's attitude, you know. (laughs) <laughs> she has an amazing attitude I should put my own attitude down maybe I will, we'll see if the Lord really works in me I'll put my own attitude down uh, but consecrate it you bring it to the Lord we ask him and the best way to consecrate your desires is to consecrate yourself they come from your heart right? that's where this all comes from so I appeal to you brothers by the mercy of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy, acceptable God don't be conformed, be transformed that in this you may test and discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. There's no better way to sanctify portions of your life than to sanctify yourself. So bring yourself in this. That's how it works best. You can be partially sanctified. You can't be partially consecrated. One of the, the, the ways that consecration is translated is destruction. It's the sacrifice thing. It's a living sacrifice. There's no such thing as being a little consecrated. So if you are, it is, right? So that's good. We want that. So we consecrate our desires. We write them down. And we bring them. So in an era where people like me, we give digitally. It's a good thing. It's fine. Um, we want to bring the stuff that the Lord puts on our hearts. I, I, look, even if you give digitally, we're going to give digitally, but we're going to write our desires, the stuff that the Lord narrows down for us on a piece of paper, and we're going to bring it up front and somebody's going to pray for it. And there's something in that process that is so tangible, so important. You know, David says, no, 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 don't give me that feel. I'm going to buy it. I want to bring something to the Lord that cost me something. Um, I met a kid here once that had a big fat wad of cash. Like I thought, oh, need a drug dealer, you know, to the pure, all things are pure. We'll pray for the money and use it, you know. But he's got this big wad of cash. He says, I'd love to give this. Thought, oh, wow. Why do you have a huge wad of cash? Like, you know, they make checkbooks, you know. And he said, no, no, no. I really like to give something physical. I feel it when I do that. I thought, oh, I should learn from you. <laughs> Isn't that great? You know, there's something, there really is something to that. Again, this is a revelation and it's for us. We have to keep that in mind. All the rest will trickle down if we get those things right. Um, so write it down. Seek the Lord. Write it down. Bring it. Um, okay, so we've got a video. We do One of the things that we do, look, faith comes by hearing. It's really important that we continue to pursue the testimony in this house. And um, We've got a video that I want to show you. We're going to show it in a second. Look, it's, 
really amazing, truly stunning. Um, I tried to numb myself to it last night. I tried watching it a bunch of times so that I wouldn't lose my mind this morning. Um, it didn't work. I was just shake crying in the bathroom last night, trying to not freak my family out. <laughs> you know, this stuff. <laughs> Look, there was a baby in this baby dedication right here that was on my first fruits. Right? When you bring these papers, we take them and we pray for them. You know, we break them up so we can do it and pay attention to them. And, and then I see you places. I think, oh, yeah, God, give her that husband. Oh, God, bring their son back. God, heal their marriage. God, bless their business. Because the things you wrote down are in my spirit, and the Holy Spirit brings them up. And then I see you have the breakthrough. And I didn't even have to be in the story to have it be a part of my testimony. So while you're watching this video, ask the Lord. There's something about the moment. You know, don't miss the moment. Ask him, Lord, what is it? What's in this for me? Speak to me. And he will. Okay? So go ahead, show that video, guys. Thanks. In 2018, I found out I was pregnant. And at that time, Tommy's biological father basically said, you know, terminate the pregnancy or I'm out. So I chose to keep, to keep the pregnancy and reached out to my local church at the time and emailed them and said, I'm broken. They put me in contact with a, it's, it's actually a Bible study for single pregnant women. I went every week on a Wednesday they fed us dinner and we had like a Bible study. And at the end of it, they threw us a baby shower. I was able to heal and um, got involved at Life Center. And in February of 2022, I remember thinking like, I am going to give for my first roots because I am believing for a godly father and a godly husband. Um, on February 20th, I went up and I got I went up to Katie Anderson and I said, this is what I'm believing for. It feels impossible. A month later, I was on my first date with Curtis and I had, like, it was really out of the blue. He like had my number through, through serving. And so he randomly called me and asked me out on a date. And Tommy like obviously fell in love with Curtis as I was falling in love with Curtis. And a year later we were together believing for the final legal ruling for us to be like a complete family. So in February of 2023, we wrote on our first fruits that we were believing for a successful adoption um, without any resistance. In June, we got married and submitted the paperwork immediately after. And after that, it was a couple months and we finally got our court date for September 27th for our hearing. And then I received an email on September 6th from our attorney stating that we were going to be contested. Tommy's biological father was fighting our adoption and all the feelings of fear that I had felt like when I found out I was pregnant, like you are, he's going to be taken from you. It's going to be messy and it's going to be hard. I felt like those fears like were suddenly like before me again. I 
just heard the Lord say, like, I already took care of this. Like, this torment is not yours to carry. I felt like in that moment, there was like a shift. And I remember specifically walking in to the courtroom. It was just like we were going into battle and like I knew the judge. Like I knew our heavenly judge and I was able to articulate my story clearly. It was just like, I feel like in the spiritual realm and even in the physical, it was just like this very impactful moment. And he, he said, let the record show that Curtis is the only father that Tommy has known. And the opposing counsel, the opposing attorney had actually told us like, basically be prepared for an appeal. Like he plans to fight this. Um, October 27th came and we never got an appeal and we ordered Tommy's birth certificate and it says Thomas E.B. and Curtis E.B. as um, his father and we will never be the same again after that. Shoot. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I felt like we were on both sides of that. We were praying with both of them for a spouse and never thought of it. Many of us were, right? Yeah. More than we can think, ask, or imagine, huh? Let's stand up. Let's stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so take some time between now and when we get back together. Do it as a family. Do it as a couple. Ask the Lord to speak to you. He is eager to. Because he's desperate to pour himself out in the world. And he wants a bride that's mature. He wants a body whose size and maturity makes sense relative to her head. He wants to pour himself out. Let's make room for him. Go ahead, just open up your hands. I'll bless you, send you home. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for your mercy towards this body. Continue to grace us in this gift of giving. Do not hold back. Do not hold yourself back. Do not hold yourself back. Don't let anything that we do, our belief, our unbelief, our failure, God, we want more. Come, Holy Spirit. Follow us home. Follow us home. Speak to us at night through our children, through our husbands, our wives, through the crying babies. <laughs> Speak to us, Holy Spirit. We want nothing more than the increase of your government here. We want nothing more than your kingdom to be filled up, to fill this earth, to be poured out. Oh, God, let your glory cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And begin here in us. So we say yes. We say yes. Speak to us, Lord. So Life Center, I bless you to see. I bless you to lift your eyes. I bless you to be above, unhindered, to hear from the Holy Spirit, and I bless you to obey. 
Open our eyes, God. Make it bigger. Thank you for your joy about the future, God. Give it to us. Give it to us. Strengthen us with your joy. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys.